0: Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church, Auburn, where we sit down weekly with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and seek to apply God's word to our daily lives. We hope that this podcast will profit you as you join us. Welcome to the Christ Presbyterian Church Podcast. I'm your host, William Skinner, and I'm joined again this morning by Pastor Eric Zellner. Eric, how are you? Hey, good morning, William. How are you? Doing well. Uh, this is episode four of Conversations, and its title this morning is, Does Membership Matter? We're going to be having a conversation on church membership. So Eric, to kick off the conversation, could you give us a working definition of, of church membership? Mm-hmm. Yeah, church membership is, is simply uh, believers in
1: the body of Christ committing themselves in the form of vows into the body of believers for the, for the purpose of spiritual growth uh, and also service into the kingdom of God's people. So it's basically setting themselves apart from the, the world or even somebody who just walks into the church casually and somebody who's deeply committed to the life of the church. So that's the way i describe the distinct difference between the two.
0: All right. So if we if we take that and say here's this definition of of someone who's taking themselves out of the world and joining the church, could you try to give us a a biblical basis for this because we don't just want to we don't just want to say it and do it. We want to say does the Bible say this? So, right. do you, is there a biblical basis yeah, for this?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Of course in in Old Testament Israel, the people of Israel saw themselves as a part of the, a national people, right? Um, and in the New Testament, when, when Christ comes, the, the kingdom of God is expanded to all peoples, nations, and tribes, and the church becomes the, the place for the gathering and perfecting of the saints of God. And so uh, I have several passages of Scripture that when I teach on this, I like to point people to, and these are particularly New Testament passages. They, they're really designed to help us recognize not that uh, primarily that church membership is a good idea but that church membership was the substance of what was going on from the very beginning. And so when you go to Acts chapter 2, there's that portion at the uh, sermon at Pentecost where Peter preaches, uh, and then chapter 2 verse 37 to 47, there's a clear numerical record of how many were added to the number on that particular day. And then you go down to 47, verse 47, and it shows that there's a tracking of the growth of that, So it tells us that even from the very beginning of the early church, there's a tracking of who's going to be a part of this body of believers. Uh, That's an important, that's the beginning, you might say, of the foundation of the church. Um, In Romans chapter 16, the whole last section of, of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul makes reference to various church members. He calls people by name. Which tells us that uh, in in sending these greetings back and forth, that there's an awareness not of people who who come in and hang out at the rafters or in the back door uh, of the assembly, but they're actually named and they're known. Uh, and so you have you have several names that pop up multiple times in the New Testament. So these are known people. Uh, another is uh, that in the in the scriptures there's a call for a body of elders to oversee these specific people, and so places like Hebrews 13:17 teach uh, Christians to submit to and honor a body of elders. Well you wouldn't do that if you're just kind of loosely uh, affiliated, not exactly committed to it. You don't have any any sense of needing to submit to something that you have not voluntarily come under the authority of. So that's spoken of in Hebrews 13:17, also First Timothy 517. And then, likewise, in specific charges to those elders, 1 Peter five verses one through five tell us uh, tell the elders that they're to shepherd the flock of God that's among them. And then, it, then the the apostle Peter tells them, "Here's how you do that," and this is what it looks like. So, the flock of God is is New Testament language, which of course you recognize, picks up on a lot of Old Testament themes: uh, the sheep of God, the people of God. Um, the flock of God. Those are, those are ways of speaking about a specific people who are set apart uh, as God's people. And these elders are called to shepherd them. It's impossible to shepherd or care for people who deliberately choose to make themselves loosely affiliated or distant. Another place uh, is Acts chapter 2. I mean, excuse me, Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30. There, the apostle Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. And when he talks to those elders, he says, "He he says, I want to give you a, a heads up on what's coming. There's danger coming, and in the midst of that, you need to make sure that you're watching over the flock because there's going to be wolves who come in and seek to, to harm the flock that belong to God. Uh, so when you start talking about these kind of biblical uh, emphases, you recognize not only that there's a specific people, but that elders are are to oversee that specific people. Uh, likewise. If you don't have a if you don't have church membership, then you don't have any way to to correct or chase after lambs that have wandered away. Uh, if they if somebody is uh, thinking strictly in terms of a a sheep lamb illustration, you, you imagine the shepherd who's watching the flock, and and a particular lamb wanders off, and he and the shepherd himself knows that there's a cliff over there, a hundred yards off. He's got to be watchful of that lamb so that he can go out and capture him. Well, the New Testament speaks that way in terms of church discipline, how to care for and watch the flock. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 speak of that, and particularly verses 11 through 12. It talks about uh, how this, this sense that church discipline is a part of an ordinary part of church life. In that context, there was sexual immorality in the church, uh, and there was a need to, to chase after this man and correct him because he was in a dangerous place. So those are, those are biblical examples, but I think probably one of the most obvious and easily overlooked is the fact that the New Testament epistles are almost always written to specific churches. So it's to, it's to, the, to the saints at the church at Philippi, at Ephesus, at Colossae. These are, these are letters written to a specific body of people in a particular place. And even when New Testament letters are written to individuals... They're also intended to be passed in the body of the church. So you recognize that from very early on, the whole church is formulated. In fact, the kingdom of God uh, is formulated under the concept of church membership, that people are actually a part of a specific body of believers. And it's a voluntary making oneself a part of that. It's actually joining into that body, recognizing that the church is the place where people are gathered and perfected and grown in Christ. So, that's that's what I would say concerning some biblical examples.
0: Absolutely. Um that was great. So, if if we say the Bible affirms some sort of visible vow and submitting to this body, um then then we should believe it. The, uh, but practically, how practically does this, is this helpful? How practically um does membership matter for us in our current culture and in all cultures?
1: Yeah, and I think that's uh, really important. That practically it, it comes into play in almost every realm for the for the believer. Specifically, when you when you join into a, a church, you are actually saying that I want to make a commitment to be a part of God's people in this place. Some of the thoughts that I'll share with you today are borrowed from Kevin DeYoung, who's the pastor at uh, Christ Covenant in North Carolina. He wrote an excellent article, Why Bother with Church Membership? And I think that article really catches some of the importance of that. And you, you, I know you'll want to mention a little bit later another article that you've read, which I think is an important Uh, point to make. But here we want to just simply recognize people are saying, I want to be a part of being inside the body of believers. So I'm making a a public commitment to be a part of Christ's people. Um, And by making that commitment, you're actually making a statement, um, a powerful statement really, in the midst of a world and culture that is pretty, it's becoming increasingly low commitment, right? What was it that you said uh, earlier about...
0: um, Family,
1: yeah, about the family.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just, um, I was listening to Pastor Sinclair Ferguson just talk about, um, you know, in a family setting, uh, if one of the members of the family is not present at the family, sitting down at the the dinner table, if they're off on their own, you're you actually are worried about them, mm-hmm. you're going seeking after them, you're uh, because that's the place where they should be, you know, with, with the family, committed to the family. Mm-hmm. That was was kind of what he was saying.
1: Yeah, it's a help. You know, it's a helpful thing to recognize. The New Testament speaks in terms of the people of God as a family of God, and mm-hmm. so uh, making that commitment into the family is recognizing that's that's your place of belonging as a Christian. Uh, the other the other dynamic about this is that is that Christians, and this is human nature, right? All of us have an inclination to be overly independent. We we have something in us that thinks that we can. We can run on our own and be just fine. Well, the, the Christian life is one that invites us into community. And so because of the danger of our, of our heart, that, that, uh, and especially in the Western world, to think of ourselves as individual thinkers and, and I'm on my own and I'm, a, I'm my own pioneer, church membership states in a formal way, I want to be part of something that's bigger than who I am right? So I'm actually, because I tend to be independent, I need to be and want to be a part of something bigger than me. Church membership in that way also keeps us accountable. Um, If I'm on my own and by myself, I will naturally have nothing to spur me on, to drive me or build me up in my faith. And so being a part of a church helps keep us uh, accountable among the people of God. Uh, that It makes me be a part of regular worship. Like you said, if a member of the family is not present, then people go, where's Where's old so-and-so? We missed him, missed her. Um, and so church membership helps us with that. Um, this is a, a quote from a book by Mark Dever. He He makes the point that church membership is our opportunity to grasp hold of each other in responsibility and love. Uh, and I think that that's a heart of why you want to be a part of the church, right? It's actually it's actually saying I want to be a part of grabbing hold of each other, and I, I not desperately need people to grab hold of me. Um, and as I mentioned from the the biblical passages, joining a church helps the pastor and the elders be more faithful in their calling to watch over the sheep, um, because they actually know the sheep. There's um, maybe many scores of people who will pass through the doors of Christ Presbyterian Church. And I may or may not be able to catch their name. That might be all I can get. But those who join the church, uh, the elders desire to know and I desire to know and it, I make it a priority to to have relationships with people. And that's, I think that's an essential part of, of church life. Um, And then, of course, I, I'm a big believer because I, I believe in in making promises, that, uh, that the ability to make a promise to join a church is actually committing me to something higher than myself. And so when I make a promise to be a part of a, a church, I don't have the flexibility to go, yeah, but I'm not really going to go very often. Uh, if I say I'm making a promise, then what I'm doing is I'm making a commitment not only to be present— but to be a part of the service of the life of the church. And, and you know, like I do, if you borrow a dollar from a friend um, and you, you know forever that you still owe that friend a dollar, right? And it's, it's kind of on your mind, right? Your friend may even forget about it, but you know that you made that commitment. Oh, I owe you a dollar. I need to get that to you next time I see you. Well, church membership is is multiplied times a thousand in that regard because the promise you're making is a promise not to my buddy for a dollar, but it's to God to be a part of his, his earthly people who are bound for heaven. And so in making this promise, it allows me to recognize I need to be a part of of praying with these believers. I need to part be a part of giving to this body of believers and serving in worship and whatever work the church is doing. And so making those promises actually helps me become a better believer because I get to live out in the context of one anothering, as the New Testament talks about, mm-hmm. all the responsibilities of my promise to be a part of God's people. So mm-hmm. I think those are you know, practical reasons uh, to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When I, you, you mentioned uh, multiple times uh, vows and or promises. Um, could, could we briefly run through, if for our church or a PCA church, for sure. example, when you come into membership and make a vow, what what vows are you making yeah there there's there's five in the pCA and those
1: those vows are as follows: the first is do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope save in his sovereign mercy and I would just simply say that vow is is actually declaring I recognize that I am in need because of my sin i'm I'm separated from god secondly um do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? So if the first one is acknowledging my distance from God, the second is acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the, is the pathway, the way that God has given whereby we might be brought into relationship with God. And it's so the substance of, of number two is a substance of faith, that Jesus isn't just a, a great moral teacher who lived a long time ago. I'm actually embracing Christ myself as my Savior, and I'm resting upon the gospel that's being offered through him. The third question, do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? So that, that particular vow is saying and recognizing that, that I do not intend to be stagnant in my walk with Christ that because I'm a sinner and because Christ is a very great Savior, that I want to embrace all of the all of the life of walking with Christ and I want to turn and be transformed and I want to continue to see the Holy Spirit work out salvation in me mm-hmm. even as I cooperate with the Spirit's help. The fourth question, do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? There we're asking people to be a part of, of committing themselves to the church, uh, not just in mailing a check in every so often, but in being a regular part of worship and service in the body of Christ. So, um, I'm a big believer that that uh, there's a temptation for all of us to consume services mm-hmm. and then pay our money in order to try to pay for those services. But but this particular vow is saying something very different. I'm actually committing myself to be a part of the worship. And, and so when I come, it's not enough for me just to want, uh, want, 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 want the words when right. songs are sung, but really we got to participate and be a part of that worship. And the work of the church, what, what kingdom purposes are we about? How can I be a part of that, whether financially or with my active physical investment?
0: Right. And, and this, the fourth vow that we make is actually just an outpouring or a fleshing out of the third vow that we make. I mean, it's part of living as Christ would have us to live in the Context of a church family, right? Like being there to worship God with our brothers and sisters. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. In in that way, it puts it puts feet to the promise that I just made. It puts hands to the to the promise that I just made. The 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 fifth vow is this: Do you do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church, and promise to study its purity and peace? And and that particular uh, question is asking the person to affirm that they're willing to bring themselves under the oversight of other believers who might be a part of caring for them. And when we're talking in the PCA, we're talking about government and discipline. We're recognizing that the church elders, the session of the church, has oversight uh, over your soul before God, which is a massive responsibility. And, And I, the individual member, am committing myself to be a part of helping them do that in a faithful way. And and while they're watching over me, I'm going to seek to study and grow in uh, the beauty, the purity, and the peace of God's church. So I would say this. The, the substance of the membership vows can be broken down this way. The first three are really the substance of faith. Uh, and then, and then the, the second, the last two, are really the substance of what it means to follow, right? Um, I have faith in Christ. And this is how I walk and follow Christ. Uh, and so that's the way I think about that. And And in the PCA, new members are received. If they come from another PCA church, they're brought in by a transfer of letter. Uh, if, they're, if they're coming from outside the PCA, uh, they come in by reaffirmation of faith. They're saying, I, I affirm my faith in Christ. I'm willing to commit to these same vows. And then, of course, the other is that, uh, and this has been fun to enjoy in a, in a young church plant like ours, to watch people make public profession of faith in Christ, the first time they've ever done that, mm-hmm. to be baptized and received into the membership. The other thing I'd say on this, William, and, and some of this connects to bigger topics, but if somebody's never known Christ and they've never been baptized, there's no such thing as baptism just in the, in the creek with some of my buddies. Right. Baptism is always, is, is always bringing me into the life of the church. And in bringing me into the life of the church, I'm actually part of this body of believers. Because there's the substance of water isn't really as significant as Jesus has cleansed me into something, right? Right. And and, and the into something is into the body of, of Christians. So anyway, that's those are the membership vows in the PCA. And uh, when I teach on this, I always in, encourage people to, to ask questions about the substance of those questions. So right. yeah.
0: And I mean, these vows are, are worship before God. They are, we're there to be taken seriously. So when, when you do join a church and you become a member of the church and then you don't show up for worship for five weeks, I mean, you, you need to be there. Don't, don't be angry when someone from the church says brother, yeah, where are about you? you? Yeah. I mean, you've made a vow at something serious. So, okay. So that was, sorry, that was a side note, but that's great. Conc- so just to wrap this up and to conclude really quickly, um, could you just give me a last, uh, um, just a, a grab to, to the person who's saying, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence. I, I'm on mm-hmm. the verge of deciding, should I join this church? Should I not? Assuming the church is a Bible-believing church, mm-hmm. um, why should this person uh, submit themselves to the membership of the church and make these vows?
1: Yeah, I would, I would summarize it by saying this. First of all, there's a biblical command, And what I mean by that is God has redeemed his people. Jesus' blood is spilled not for random people who are unwilling to to be saved by him, but for a very specific people, right? So so, um, we're saying you must join into and be a part of something, and that's a biblical command. But the second part of that is this. By doing that, you will find joy in learning to live out the Christian life in the context of the body of believers. So that's really the heart of it. It's, uh, it goes back to, there's
0: a biblical reason and, and the blessings of membership are rich and full. Well, thank you so much for, um, just having this conversation today. And yeah, thank you, William. Appreciate it. We, we hope that, uh, to all of our listeners that, um, this has been a blessing to you and that, um, if you are not a member of a local church, uh, that you would uh, seek to become a member of a local church and that if you are a member of a local church, that you would uh, take that seriously and think about your vows and reflect upon those. Mm. So uh, I think that's all we have for today. Eric, anything else? No,
1: that's great. Thank you so much, William. Appreciate
0: it. bye.